0: Welcome to the Cinephile History of the Podcast, brought to you by the Ruminations Radio Network and sponsored by Film Obsessive. This is the Tyree Film Movie Debate, hosted by two film critics, cool dads, and struggling teachers. I'm Don Shanahan.
1: And you know what? Because this is our first take, I'm not going to try to risk doing a Clint Eastwood voice. I used too much testosterone for the last
0: episode, so I'm just, William, just plain old William Johnson. Pl- plain old William Johnson, your late career. Clint Eastwood, if we're just keeping it <laughs> subtle. Hi, I'm just Clint. You know, hey, how you doing? <laughs> hey, Clint. Uh, if he ever did a hey that long, I'd be like, wow, Clint, that's a lot. Get your oxygen tank, buddy. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we're damn glad to have you folks. This is all for tantrum's sake. We're shared passions and high fives. Watch you when you place for hate. No matter what, we encourage you all to love what you love. But for now, the gloves are off and the hissy fit is on. Uh, this week, we're, on our, we're recording our second Deep cut on Clint Eastwood. Last time we talked, we did a director's kind of showcase on the man. Um, This time around, we're going to look at him with deep cuts as an actor. Um, The format is kind of out the window here. No bells, no timers, no nothing like that. Just Will and I kind of going back and forth on some good roles and some good stuff. Uh, But for the folks who didn't catch the last show, um, we're kind of here more than anything because of uh, Will kind of taking a big deep dive into Clint Eastwood. So, uh, Will, tell us kind of how you got here. What, what What stirred this up? Well, well, as I explained on the last show,
1: I wanted to dig into the Clint Eastwood directing stuff I hadn't seen, and, uh, and I won't go over too much of it, because I know that all of you out there are listening to both episodes, so I won't repeat yourself. I'll just tell you to go listen to that episode if you want some details on that. But I did kind of also want to, as an actor, I did kind of want to see a lot of Eastwoods that I feel like I should have seen by now. In terms of not just his directing but also acting, and so I've watched a lot of Clint Eastwood films not uh, not just from his the directing chair, but like I finally saw the Sergio Leone trilogy and um, just made up for a lot of stuff, and uh, I've really enjoyed it. I've I've kind of, as we talked about in the last show, I think that he's one of these artists that has a reputation, you know, in the world as being something, but then if when you extensively watch his you know, filmography. Um, And I wasn't an Eastwood slouch by any means. I just, there was a Mm -hmm. lot of smaller stuff I hadn't seen. uh, Though I think today we'll talk about one big blind spot, which I'm going to make up as soon as we're done recording. But, um, you know, I was no slouch, but I think, you know, the more you get into the details, especially the deep dive stuff, when you get into the passion projects or you get into like what started a person's career and what they find themselves attached to or what they're trying to escape as an actor you know in terms of image
0: um
1: you know you you see that you know it's more than meets the eye it's more there's more dimensionality to uh what's going on than the stereotype of what that person the caricature that that person's become so Mm -hmm. i'm not going to sit here and say i i mean i definitely feel that eastwood is a better director than an actor in a traditional sense i'm not going to sit here and say that eastwood's one of our greatest living actors but he is a compelling character person. Yeah. And he's something that you want to watch. And so this was an easy deep dive for me because I was yeah. just like, well, I'm getting to see a lot of Eastwood films I never saw before in terms of directing. And also, I'm just, you know, I'm kind of watching a living living legend and filling in those gaps. And it's great. So
0: why not? I know, I'm with you. Um I, I I echoing the same sentence we kind of opened with with the director stuff where yes, he has become a bit of a personality that people just kind of put on as being a personality for getting that the talent and and the the longevity of what he's been able to do at, at a high level that he's done i'm with you he's probably not one of our greatest quote-unquote actors of all time but um i think he's one of those i hate I, this is a weird comparison and all of a sudden i get the will johnson weird comparison spot today but uh <laughs> um clint eastwood is easily one of our top 10 movie stars like he might not be an oh, actor. Sure but he's he's tom cruise he's a movie star i mean for i mean everything he touched was exciting in in just something that people just went after women liked him, guys liked him you know it was just he had complete appeal for a very long amount of time and Mm -hmm. in different phases of his career where i can't discount that at all i mean he'll yeah he may never he's never won an acting oscar um his his trophies come for the directing side and producing side but um if I were to ever give him a spot for an acting trophy, it's probably one of them that makes my list today. But uh, um, since I, you I think are we again, might have the
1: same, you and I might have some of the
0: same ones on here. I, I am going to take so a I little know, bit.
1: Here. I'm going to take a little bit of the approach I took in the last one, which is I okay. might ignore some of the bigger known performances and go for like the smaller scale stuff that people don't know about. But, yeah. Um, but there may be one, I think we might connect with. I'm interested to see if we end up on the same wave okay. there.
0: Well, I mean, I, it might be the one I start off with a bang because you did such a good job of kind of introducing the dive that where you're going on here with like, you know, how a person starts their career. So I have to, and I know it's the big one, but I have to, the man with no name, it has to be said, has to be done. So, um, those three movies, you know, put that man on the map, uh, in more ways than an Atlas could. I mean, it's just, you know, it, it, I know it, it, has become, you're right. It has become caricature. It has become iconic. Um, and it has become something that maybe he has chased and, 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 you know, dodged or, or improved upon if you wanted to in a couple of different ways in other mm-hmm. other parts of his career. But in the moment for what those are coming from where they came from, it's indelible stuff. And it, there's a good reason why those three films and his performances there make him iconic, because it vault him to a level. It's got to be said, and it's got to be celebrated, so well you use the word iconic so this
1: is partially my pick as well so i'm, I'm when yeah. i say i'm going to cheat a little bit i was going to say that in, like you said sometimes acting is not just about you know acting in a particular movie it's about your presence it's about mm-hmm. being a draw for people so i actually was putting as one of my five picks the icon and i had men with no name but i'll also throw in dirty harry there too
0: yeah that counts um,
1: now granted he played dirty harry in five movies but um I mostly just think about the first two films as like true dirty harry. Uh yeah. I mean the other the other three felt more like, you know, name only. You know, it just oh, it yeah. didn't have the edge Definitely. of the first two. But regardless, I think that you when you think of the ultimate western character, you think of mm-hmm. the man with no name. When you think of the ultimate bad boy cop, you know, yeah. you think of dirty harry. You know, like there's so many there's so many things as the icon of what would make movie tropes. I mean, I think it's safe to say that the icon as actor, he really put in two, two types of characters that have been, cont- have continually been uh, replicated today. I so uh, yeah, so that's kind of yeah, what but we're looking you, at there. You're right, so. though.
0: you're right though. I mean, you it, you have to list them. They have to be there because they're so, like you said, often aped and repeated and people try to chase that stuff. Like every squinting actor who puts on a cowboy hat and dirties himself up, up, they want to be Clint Eastwood, you know, any mm-hmm. Western since 1964, they want to be Clint Eastwood. Um, when Marty McFly puts the stupid name in back to the future three, he wants to be Clint Eastwood. I mean, that's mm-hmm. when you're, when you're that you're that. And the yeah, same thing, like, even when Dirty Harry is 1971, I mean, and when you think of all the asshole, bad boy, hero, cops of a thousand iterations after that, when you make two icons um, and two casting stereotypes like that, mm-hmm. we're tipping the hat. You got to, you know, and I'm with you, the first two dirty hair and Magnum force. Those are the ways to go after that. It becomes lampoon for sure.
1: Yeah. And, and, and I will say as a result of that iconography, we Mm -hmm. did get some great directing stuff out of Eastwood because I think the three or four Westerns that he made, uh, as a director, um, high plains drifter, the outlaw, Josie Wales, pale rider and unforgiven Mm -hmm. purposefully tried to subvert the tropes that he helped usher in. And I think that's great because much like anybody who plays an iconic figure, the first ones I always come up with are like star Trek, you know, like, Shatner Mm -hmm. and um, Patrick Stewart, you know, their first instinct when Star Trek was initially over for them was get me as far away from these characters as humanly possible. You know, I do not Mm -hmm. want to be Picard. I do not want to be Kirk. You know, eventually they would grow to love it. You know, love that. But sure, you got some of their most challenging work because they were trying to redefine themselves. And I think Eastwood does the same thing. And that's why I think a lot of the westerns he directed are result are the reaction to the icon that he became on the Western ideal there's there's mm-hmm. been Western actors who refused to give up that and actually made it part of their livelihood like we're talking about like John Wayne you know right who was you know somehow won an Oscar for True grit I mean it's a great movie mm-hmm. but True grit yeah. came out the year that Midnight Cowboy came out and you're telling me John Wayne was better as an mm-hmm. actor. Than Dustin Hoffman and John Voight in that movie. Like, you know what I mean? It's Agreed. it's like some people are holding on to that iconography because it boosters them in some way. Mm-hmm. Eastwood was always challenging himself to fight being defined like that. And to this day, he's still, if you Oh, if I you, agree. If you tell people about Eastwood, they have an image of him that mm-hmm. I don't think really fits who he is. But it's I because of him. that iconography that he created or co-created.
0: Mm-hmm. No, and in and, and a lesser actor and a and a lesser movie star for that matter would just ride man with no name and harry callahan for their entire careers never yes. never waver never try
1: well oh, charles but, bronson I mean, did it i mean oh, charles bronson yeah. was the death wish guy for the rest of his career mm-hmm. you know uh yeah a lot of lot of guys they just mm-hmm. they get that one role and they stick to it and uh and then it becomes nearly impossible to reinvent yourself and i think and that go, goes to a testament to how good of an actor and director Eastwood is, like I said, he's not the most dynamic actor, Mm -mm, you know, he's not going to give you the greatest range, but he's, he's someone who's willing to challenge what people view of him. We we still see it today. I mean, just look at what's going on with, um, uh, black Adam and the rock, you know, that was a situation of someone not being able to let themselves be seen as anything other than the movie star that they've become. And it, 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 it limits the storytelling and we've seen it with plenty of people, you know, um, Steven Seagal, uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme, you know, Sylvester Stallone after a while couldn't lose in a movie. You know, he could not be seen being vulnerable or losing in a movie. And it was like, well, mm-hmm. then where's the, you forgot that you created your character based on its vulnerability. And yeah. now you're invulnerable and, you know, you, you can't be touched and no one relates to that, you know? So it's just, It's interesting that Eastwood, I think, has maintained his doing that in his career, has been fighting that iconography status, but still is identified as it, which is pretty neat, actually.
0: I think so. I mean, and even going so far as to kind of being almost the person to directly demystify his own iconography, like Mm -hmm. the fact that like it would have been really easy for him. Especially *Unforgiven*, and I'll put *Unforgiven* as kind of my next one on the list here. Okay, let's bit, talk where, about it. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, because like for me, the fact that you come in eastwood's so synonymous with westerns that he comes in and makes that western an aged, feeble, you know, uh, you know, just feeble, broken down man western where he's he's not a hero, you know, and he not at he, all, not at all, Uh and for the fact we have so many images of him being the hero and being the good guy, or at least being the hard ass that you want to win. Um, And even if you still want William money to win um, the fact that he has to go through what he goes through and has to carry the shame that he does. Like Mm. that's a chance Eastwood took a big, big chance, maybe not a big chance, but it turned out great where he got to demystify his own iconography and he could have easily taken unforgiven and just been, you know what guys I'm back. Let's make some more Westerns. He hasn't touched one again since. And that to me is a testament to what we've just been talking about of like, you know, dynamic enough as a movie star uh, and a chance taker to, to know where he can hit know where he can do well, and then still break it apart and do something else Um, where I'm just impressed that he he can kind of set a benchmark and stop. Um, I don't know if like, for example, I, I used Tom Cruise earlier. I don't know if Tom Cruise will ever stop being Tom Cruise. Like, yeah, Like, watch it. Watch a third Maverick come out. Um, I know he says there's two more Mission Impossibles this year next, and then he's done, but uh, is he really done? Will he really sail off into the sunset and do what Eastwood's done, which is 30 years of work that isn't Mission Impossible and, and Maverick, yeah, you know?
1: And that, that opens up a whole different discussion, because I, okay. you know, me as the Marvel shill, I mean, you hear these arguments, and I always try to shoot them down on Twitter, where someone will be like, oh, we're going to lose we're going to lose prime uh, Florence Pugh because she signed a Marvel contract. It's like Mm, actors mm. in general don't like, yeah, they sign on for these things, but they also do other stuff. I mean, like, I I don't think there's been hardly a Marvel actor in the MCU anyway. That's uh, maybe obviously Robert Downey Jr. Maybe, but Mm -hmm. where, where they've primarily just been Marvel only, like they've used that fame to do other things and try other things. And, but there is a contingent of actors out there, and I think Tom Cruise is one of them. Where it's like, at least with Tom Cruise, you could be like, Okay, he's gonna give me a Top Gun, he's gonna give me a summer blockbuster, mm-hmm. but then he's gonna give me like a born on the fourth of July, he's gonna give me an acting showcase. Yeah, but it's been you know a what long I mean? time like, that he's that's done
0: what that I'm with. saying. Is he that's what I'm yeah. saying? He
1: used to be able to do that. Yeah, he now he's so much into the Tom Cruise as he's, he's, he's almost an IP in himself.
0: Yeah, yeah totally
1: agree. It's you do lose that ability to see what made him talented. And mm-hmm. I think that's what we maybe take for granted a little bit with Eastwood because of his iconic reputation is that he has constantly pushed himself to subvert what you think of him. Yeah. Um, and that's something that we should really appreciate because I, yeah, I we agree. do have some great intense actors that maybe aren't the most, I think Tom Cruise is a better actor overall than Clint Eastwood, but we're getting to the point where it's no longer Tom Cruise, the actor it's Tom Cruise, the entity, the icon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And we're losing, we're losing that actor. So that stuff does happen. I, I don't think people need to worry so much about that happening to, uh, Mm -hmm. Uh, i have florence Pugh, or i was gonna say jonathan majors but when we recorded this who knows what's gonna happen (laughs) with him but you know what i mean like i i don't think people need to worry about like them being taken over by an ip i think some people need to worry about actors becoming so much of something that they lose what made them interesting in the first place that's Um, a great way of
0: putting it yeah um and but, that's uh, uh, honestly a a good segue point for us to get a little midway read and kind of finish up our list since we got the the big icons out of the way so ladies and yeah. gentlemen please enjoy this short announcement from the ruminations radio network hey this is charlie triple c from brevity box a new and interesting podcast from
1: the ruminations radio network if you're a fan of podcasts we have a lot of great content to offer Come check out our diverse group of podcasts and hosts at
0: ruminationsradionetwork.com. All right, folks, welcome back. Yeah, Will, what's your next pick? I got my two through, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, all
1: right, so I'll, I'll do a specific film this time. And this actually perfectly fits into the uh, what we're talking about with subverting the expectations. Um now, sometimes somebody in a clown suit uh, can be looked down upon. Um, you know, I think of um, you know Roger Moore in Octopussy wearing both a gorilla suit and a clown oh, suit, yeah. and thinking, "Where have we gone?" You know, yeah, that's the tough spot. <laughs> um, but, but sometimes, sometimes I think it's it's nice to see uh, like an icon. Broken down like that. And th- now this this movie from 1989 is not exactly the greatest movie ever made. I think the first hour is amazing and the second hour is very bad. But it's called Pink Cadillac from 1989. And the reason why I will defend uh Pink Cadillac is because in that first hour, uh, we are introduced to, you know, this character who's a uh skip tracer, and he's got to come up with all these unique ways to uh, you know get what he needs you know to get these runaway people these bail these bail escapees you know and uh, you know at one point he's a shock shock radio dj he's a goofy limo driver he's a sleazy casino operator he's a rodeo clown it's just something that you don't expect to see of clint eastwood and he really embraces it. tongue-in-cheek has a really good time um making fun of him his image uh it does end up becoming kind of a Third, Every Which Way But Loose, except they've substituted uh, a gorilla for a monkey for a super hot Bernadette Peters. But um, not a great film, but one in which I think you're going to watch it and you will be charmed by Clint Eastwood's ability to not take himself too seriously.
0: Yeah, I was going to – that was next on my list was was kind of that group of Every Which Way But Loose and Any Which Way You Can where, you know, just (laughs) – just like you said, um, it's rare to see. Uh, I think the words that Wikipedia uses, and I'll use them too, uncharacteristic and offbeat. You know, you don't get a lot of comedy out of Clint Eastwood, and you realize how damn charming the dude is when, when he can just kind of let loose a little bit. So, um, I'm with you. I would trade an orangutan and an eight for a super hot Bernadette Peters as well. So I'm glad you got to that spot with Pink Cadillac. But um, yeah, along the way, who would ever? I mean. Yeah, those movies walked so Turner Hooch could run, you know, when it comes to, like, you know, a, a guy, an actor, and an animal, and it, it works, you know, so, uh, yeah, every I don't have a lot to say on Every Which Way But Loose, but it was going to be one of those things where I just kind of, just appreciate it, you know, so.
1: I, a blind spot I probably will not be filling is the sequel, because I just cannot abide. For, for yeah, Because <laughs> any which way you can. I, I, I mean, uh-huh. uh, I'm, I'm, I saw the first one and I saw Plenty. it and yep. that's enough for me. Uh, oh, yeah. like
0: I I'm going deep cut here. Like not trying to celebrate a huge thing after celebrating. <laughs> yeah. <these huge> things <laughs> yeah. So I can't, yeah.
1: I can't back you up on that one in <laughs> terms of the <laughs> full okay. film, uh, do du- duology of the yeah. any which <laughs> universe, <Yeah>. but, uh, <laughs> I have seen the first one and it, it was, I mean, if you're, if you're talking about his starring vehicles, I mean, mm-hmm. it was his most four quadrant. I believe it's still adjusted for inflation or even not his most mm-hmm. successful starring roles.
0: I read that as um, well. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I, I don't know when that study was taken, but I mean, at least up to that point and all the way through his prestige period, um,
0: it was his biggest films. So yeah. and we got Sandra Locke for two. Like you said, during the director one, like I love Sandra I, Locke. She's yeah, great.
1: I think she gets yeah. a bad rap. Uh, a lot of people, I always think it's dumb when people are just like, well, he was just too busy casting her and everything. It's like, mm-hmm. why not? She's interesting. I, she's exactly. Compelling. She's compelling. She's a compelling actress, but she's also very interesting to look at. She's not like a mm-hmm. typical, you know, screen right. beauty. She's, she's just interesting. And they obviously feed off each other. Um, Creatively, like they just have mm-hmm. a nice chemistry with each other they they do things well, and she's always kind of a nice foil for him she's she appears smarter, she never other than outlaw josie wales she's never like i never feel like she's dumbed down to be his love interest like she's a challenge for him, and you yeah. need a woman that's going to challenge someone who's quote unquote tough guy masculinity whatever tropes mm. you want to throw at them but uh yeah.
0: yeah that's yeah we we picked we picked two dogs there because like the first one's 39 <laughs> around rotten me the second one's 20 but they're, they're they're hits and they're easy and it's nice to see them do something sure. different. so I, I i have that i i like you go down just about any actor's filmography i'll find a rotten movie that i'm like you know what they had a good time they tried their best and it was fun to watch them attempt you know so yeah, yeah. that's
1: good Bye. i'm gonna do uh, Two in a row here. I'm gonna go I mean, two it. in a row because we kind of went into these films in the last episode, so I don't want to All spend right. too much time on them. So I figure just get them out of the way. But to me, like two of great, like legitimately great Eastwood performances are Bronco Billy and White Hunter Blackheart, where mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um with Bronco Billy, it's it's the Cowboy star as like uh diva like kind of like a uh, without the sequins and like the uh, the first image that comes to my mind is steven yoon and nope you know where it's like the yeah. you're yeah. wearing you're wearing the 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 cowboy clothing but it's you know bedazzled and i mean it doesn't have any of that but it's it's very much like the antithesis of the man with no name it's this Cowboy entertainer, you know, that's out there traveling the world and fill, you know, barely filling up a a carnival tent to entertain people with very, very, very old fashioned Western tricks. Uh, and he's just delusional, but charmingly so. And, uh, it's just a great little comedic performance from him. And then White Hunter Blackheart, we've discussed on the last episode, is very much him kind of being a John Huston. Um, and he's very, um, I don't think the word is, I don't want to say fey because I don't think that's a, a word I could, I could use to describe it, but sure. Very upper crust, um, overly educated, uh, verbose, uh, artistically centered character that is very, very not typical Eastwood at all. I don't know how else to describe it, but think of like Clint Eastwood, like in a, like a sweater vest or something, you know what I mean? It's just very, (laughs) very, you know, just very atypical to, Mm. because even, even when Eastwood is not trying to reinvent himself or subvert the tropes, he's, he's, uh, or even when he is, there's still kind of a Eastwood quality to it. He's got that, look on his face of disgust, you know, when something's not going right or he's got the tough guy thing. And especially in his later films, uh, the mule probably being the worst offender of this, you know, yeah. despite how old he is, every woman wants to fuck him. Um, wow. <laughs> you know, this is a very, very strong departure from that kind of role. So uh, white hunter, *Blackheart*, and Bronco Billy, I would, I would highly recommend checking those out.
0: Okay. Um the I'll do two in a row just to kind of balance it and there are actually yeah. two movies that he did in a row. Um the first one, let me put them in the right order. Let me double check that I got my years right. Aha, uh-huh, yeah. So I'll do a little 95 90 well, No, hold on here. 93 95. There's some okay. mix in there because he did two movies in both those years. But uh um the I'll do one which is The Blind Spot you kind of hinted at and talking about uh In the Line of Fire. Um mm-hmm. Wolfgang Peterson, fantastic political thriller. Um you know, it's a it, borrowing some you know the idea of history of like a guy who was there when kennedy was killed you know 30 years before that what would what he would still be doing what he's doing and you know still keep his game a little bit the answer is no <laughs> uh Clint Eastwood at 60 whatever even if that guy was 30 then and 60 then should not be there at the presidentials detail like get a young guy in there. um <laughs> but in terms of like a movie you know it, it's it, I, I hate to do the tom cruise thing again but like like the oldest, I think I saw somebody put the stat of like the oldest Naval aviator we've ever had was like retired at 54 Tom's like 60. So, but we (laughs) buy it because it's Tom Cruise. Well, guess what? When you watch in the line of fire and you have that whole like post Kennedy, could a guy still want to do that job and have that edge? You believe it. Um, do you believe that he would bed Rene Russo? No. Uh, or, or like think that Rene Rene Russo would want to bed him. No. Um, but, um, you got a movie where, um, it's Wolfgang Peterson. So you have that fa- just a, a, a great action thriller director who uses Eastwood mm-hmm. uh, in, a, in a great way. Obviously, John Malkovich really stirs the pot in that movie. He's the guy who got the Oscar nomination in that group, plays a fantastic villain. Um, where, yeah, I, we have so many places where Eastwood has to kind of call his own number. Uh, but in a movie like In the Line of Fire, you have a, a director who saw it was his first film right after unforgiven. So probably made while unforgiven was, you know, just doing its little awards run where Wolfgang Peterson probably did. I mean, he knew what he had in terms of Eastwood, but I don't think he knew he had, you know, double Oscar winner Eastwood walking in the door the next day of shooting. So, (laughs) but that uses him in the perfectly right way. And same thing, big hit at the box office. I know um, you called it a blind spot. I know we're trying to do deep cuts, but I think it's one of those movies where same thing. You couldn't make it today. Um, classic nineties, middle, middle budget thing, budgeted at 40, made over 130. It, it, just, a, a darn good time. Um, the second one in a row, I won't spend a lot of time on cause the same thing. It, it came up last time and it counts as also something, him doing something different is I'm a, I'm a big Bridges, Madison County guy. Um, mm, I appreciate yep. watching him be a romantic lead. Uh, same thing. I think he, <laughs> two years after in the line of fire, I think he's too old, uh, to play that part. I'd love to see a guy be more. Uh, just t- ten years younger, uh, because if Streep's in playing forties, you can get a guy in fifties instead of a guy in—I don't even know what he would be in nineteen ninety-five. I mean, thirty years. Yeah, he'd be—he'd be still pushing sixty and change. Mm-hmm. So, yep. um, but no, uh, beautiful film, lovely performance. Where um, I know Unforgiven kind of gave him juice as being the understated guy. Like I'm going to come in and kind of uh, you know under um kind of underact some things and just stay in my grizzled older state and not be their bronco billies and the verbosis things that we've seen from him before and mm-hmm. sometimes you can again a, a, another actor might ride that the rest of their career like hey i found a niche i found a thing that's going to play for me i'm going to work that every which way i can not to use the same movie line <laughs> but uh um yeah. but no um eastwood yes he is the soft-spoken guy but he puts it in a really nice place um in a very well done movie that um uh, i just appreciate because it's rare to see that guy get a romantic lead uh i'm trying to kind of do the comparisons of um i was trying earlier today when i was researching for this I'm Like, is there another comp of an actor about that age at that time doing you know a legitimate romantic drama and i i couldn't find one off the top of my head or i wasn't digging very hard but uh Uh, an actor of that level at that age hitting on you know a a hit novel a big movie and a romantic drama and after not doing a romantic drama for a very very long time so um yeah i I couldn't find one but so maybe that's the thing that breaks the mold for eastwood so yeah
1: no absolutely and and i'm gonna cheat a little bit too not gonna do a deep dive here for my last pick and i don't know if are we all up to date you have one left right i have one left and it's
0: not a deep dive either so
1: Okay, so maybe we're on the same page. I don't know. Let's but find to, out. To, to me, um, and and he did, Clint Eastwood did receive a Best Actor nomination for this, and well-deserved too. Uh, I'm going to go with Million Dollar Baby. I, I think okay. that is probably, I'm not going to say his best like dimensional performance. I think there's other movies that he's done where he's been a better actor. But in terms of marrying exactly what you need and directing yourself (laughs) to Mm -hmm. the exact pitch, perfect performance of the material presented, it's not a, that character is not a deep character necessarily. Yeah, Um, But just, I remember when I saw it for the first time and I was like, I'm watching Clint Eastwood cry like that. Yeah. really shook me because Mm -hmm. uh, it just showed me that, you know, acting as I was saying, um, before you know acting and art has no age you know and i thought at that time great way of
0: putting it you
1: have to think about it i mean in 92 like Mm -hmm. when uh you know he i can't remember if he won i think unforgiven i think people were like okay this is this is the swan song for clint eastwood yeah i thought that was it Uh uh-huh you're right I i think he ended up getting like a one of those um, like Irvin Thalberg Oscars in 95 or something. Cause it was like, thanks mm-hmm. buddy for all you did. And then yeah. you just this extra era of yeah. prestige films. And uh, I just remember, you know, it's 2004 or five, you know, and you mm-hmm. know, we're 15 years or whatever from unforgiven and he's still pumping out this stuff and he's still, you know, uh, what do you call it? Subverting your expectations of him. Um, you know, on the surface, and I, this is why Grand Torino doesn't really work for me, is because it kind of takes what happened in Million Dollar Baby with him, but forgets to turn the switch and yeah. make it the sentimental, actual, you know, guy Agreed. who cares. You know, Million Dollar Baby is great because it, it does have that typical Eastwood thing. And I would pay money still to this day to watch a movie of him and Warren Freeman just insulting each other oh, yeah. left and right. but it does that switch where you realize that this is all a show. He's really this intensely broken man who's putting on a show and he's really got these deep, deep feelings, you know, that he's afraid to show. And it's just, I mean, I think we did this. I don't know if I mentioned this on our, you know, movies that make us cry episode, but I mean, million dollar baby is one of those. Mm. ones It just gets to a certain point where I cannot, not cry like it's just so powerful especially when you know and no spoilers out there if you haven't seen million dollar baby but when he like you know tells her you know in gaelic like you're my beloved you know and then pulls mm-hmm. the plug it's like jesus god like yeah it's 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 uh an amazing performance i i can't remember who beat him that year uh, i can look
0: that up for you here quick go ahead yeah keep just, talking.
1: just well yeah but you know if unlike Something like John Wayne winning for True Grit. Mm-hmm. I genuinely think it's not a makeup award. He had already won all of his Oscars at that point. Yeah. You know, it, it's a genuinely moving, powerful, and perfectly, perfectly built performance for the movie they were making. And uh, it's just, you know, if he had... If he had won, I don't think anyone would do the John Wayne thing where they would have been like, oh, he's just getting it for his career. It's like, no, he already had, what, like four Oscars at that point, you know, or including that movie winning that night. But, you know, he would have had four or five Oscars. So it's like it's not like it was a makeup award. It's not like a son of a woman
0: Mm -hmm. thing or I agree, you know, whatever. So, yeah, that year, I mean, I I was going to put Million Dollar Baby in this spot, too. So I'm right there with you. It's the best I've ever seen him Act like act. I mean, we, I talked I, earlier in this podcast, I talk about movie star, movie, movie star this, movie star that. That was Clint Eastwood, the actor, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. like you said, being able to share the screen with other people and not steal the screen and not steal all the oxygen in the room. Um, yep. to be able, like you said, to bust Morgan Freeman's balls and to pr- provide that absolute lift for Hillary Swank. Also, an actor who, like you said in the last show, when we did the directing thing, she had won an Oscar, but at the same time, what a lift for her. Um, yeah, just a brilliant performance uh, from Swank and, and then Free- Freeman might have felt a little bit more like the makeup spot, you know, sure. where like he probably could have won it two or three more times before this. Um, as a me- Here, I'll kind of go- do the Oscars from that year. So Swank beat Annette Bening for being Julia. Uh, Catalina Sandino Moreno for Maria Full of Grace, Emile Staunton for Vera Drake and then a younger not quite all the way there, Kate Winslet for Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I believe Ugh. she would win the very next year for the Reader so she was fine. Um, that was a
1: couple of years later because Reader yeah, I think is 06 right?
0: Oh yes, you're right. So it it's took 08. her a bit for Kate to get there but so no, after Swank that year you have Freeman beating out Alan Alda for the Aviator, Thomas Hayden sideways which is amazing performance great hayden church. love that performance love the movie too i know you don't but I, uh, I love that movie. high guy in the movie but i no argument with hayden church especially in the the true vein and sense of a supporting actor like i mean it's yep there's it the drink freeman had done a thousand better things so that's probably your makeup of work. uh jamie fox was a double nominee that year for collateral and that's a nice jamie mm. fox obviously I'm kind of tipping my hand. He will win a little bit later here. And I think everyone knows. And then you have Clive Owen for closer where he's been better in other places, but that's a nice spot. Um, To kind of answer the original question of where you were going, uh, Eastwood lost to Jamie Foxx and Ray um, in a loaded category because you have Jamie Foxx over to, to, in my opinion, Don Cheadle's best career performance in Hotel Rwanda Mm. One of Johnny Depp's best crew performances in Finding Neverland, mm. a heck of a performance from Leonardo DiCaprio in The Aviator, and then Clint mm. Eastwood, where that's as loaded of a five as you'll find this century in Best Actor. So yeah, I mean that's I
1: did not love DiCaprio in that, but I did. I yeah. was, I mean, I was on the Jamie Fox train. Uh, oh, I get that, I, I, and, and it's hard
0: not to, hard not. I to, mean, he's yeah.
1: still a great actor. He's just you know, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to pick better projects, but, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, there's no shame in how he lost. I mean, this, I mean,
0: no, but, no, but I,
1: I, I think he legitimately deserved to be there too. It wasn't like, Oh,
0: absolutely. Yeah. You know, uh, that's not a charity spot for him. That's right. Exactly.
1: One. I totally agree on that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He earned it. Um, and like I said, yeah, I'll, to circle back, like that's the best acting I've ever seen a man done. Mm-hmm. um to, you brought up and i'll kind of i'll call this a bit of an honorable mention as we i'll pass it to you for the closing here a little bit sure. but um i don't mind grand torino um i think i think that's kind of him obviously being a bit of a character of his old curmudgeon self uh, i try to kind of give it some credit as being a bit of a i don't want to say a demystification of like dirty harry because it's not really that. he's not a lawman. man mm-hmm. but um and but the grills and the growls i know that's kind of Eastwood being Eastwood, it was his first acting performance since Million Dollar Baby, where it was a four-year break between the performances, and it was nice to get an Eastwood movie again. It turned into what it turned into. I know that a lot of people are, like, kind of asking the same question I'm asking. Is this Eastwood kind of showing his ass a little bit, or is this him acting? And it was a lesser spot. I I, I don't mind him putting that out there. I think the movie could have been more compelling around him. I, I think that movie's missing kind of that second figure the way that million dollar baby had Hiary and had Morgan and had even a cast vectors underneath that where it's just he kind of stole the oxygen but there wasn't enough around him to give him something to lift to go with what he was trying to do
1: mm-hmm. uh I'll defend him on that point I think like I said just okay. seeing how progressive he truly was and defying the more conservative image that he has now. uh, I definitely Mm, don't mm -hmm. think he was showing his ass. I think he was definitely acting. Cause I, I I just, I think he's been such a champion for the um, not just minorities, but the underserved underrepresented his whole career. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, unlike, you know, a John Wayne who uh, you know, that's true. Was like, um, yeah, let me, I cut out the Indians eyeballs so they can't get to heaven. You know, like, and that was considered mm-hmm. awesome. Like he's always had very positive like Native American figures. He's obviously very beholden to jazz, which is a very African American art. Um, mm-hmm. Not sure how the Asian community is served. I mean, the only thing that comes up in my head automatically. Well, you know what? That's false because he did an amazing you've got job. Torino
0: with, with the Hmong Well, no no, no that's what I was saying
1: before letters that. You know, obviously Japanese, but still. Mm-hmm. He did such an exceptional job, so I'm going to take that back. The only thing I was thinking of on top of my head was his okay. sidekick character in uh, the Deadpool, uh, the Dirty Harry oh, yeah. Five, in which, of course, the Asian guy knows kung fu. Um, but uh, obviously, yes, I mean uh, Larry Shimura. He um, and and even Flags of Our Fathers depicts, mm-hmm. you know, kind of a very tragic Native American figure um, from that story. So. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna say that uh, there's no inherent
0: racism in that man. I, I mean that I can tell. Okay. Uh, so yeah, he's got his views, but it's not. You're right. No, no story's been cooked up large enough and loud enough to be like something gross. He's, you know, no, like he's it's not that.
1: He's more. I was reading a quote from Bird, and you know, he'll say something that's very typically, I think, old man, and not racially Mm because he said something about like he said separation he said in in bird he said well because that came out in 88 he said "Eh, we didn't get the audience i was hoping for especially from the black community because they don't really identify with jazz anymore it's all about the rap music now you know that's Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's something an old guy says it's all about the rap music you know not racial but just maybe out of touch, I don't know, like I don't, so I think it's it's him acting because he's playing a very old character that has these terrible you know few points, and we've all mm-hmm. we've we've all met people like that, you know, even yeah even people that are good people, like the casual racism people of that age group would have was you know amazing, <laughs> shocking, you know, so True. it's. I, I don't, but I don't know why I'm going so far to defend him like that, but that's just my my feeling on it.
0: No, it, it's, um like you said, the reason why we kind of got here in the first place was let's celebrate him before he's gone. And I think when he's gone, I hope there's a bit of a, a recollection and a reflection to be like, hey, he could have been far worse and he wasn't as bad as we all pinned him down to be. So I'm with you. I'm no, with
1: you. he's gonna... I, I, I'm not saying I'm looking forward to his death, but I, I think no. when... <laughs> yeah someone does a retrospective and I've kind of got to do a little mini bit of that now by Mm -hmm. going through all this stuff. Um, I think people will see that he's shockingly not what people think he is, you know, in terms Mm -hmm. of not only an actor because he's, he's challenged himself many times as an actor and not only as a director in which he's done many things to challenge his own iconography. But I think, you know, uh, Bill Maher talks about this all the time. It's like there's there was an old, you know, conser- conservatives are not – the Charlton Heston conservative and the Clint Eastwood conservative, mm-hmm. they're Those not the same as today. Yeah. It's not even anywhere near that. Even the mm-hmm. Ronald Reagan conservative – like the fact that people – and that's another actor, right? Even right? the people that worship at the altar of Ronald Reagan, they they worship more at the icon of ronald reagan not the actual Mm -hmm. person that he was i mean people that worship him now i mean they are so far from what reagan was and even somebody like nixon Mm -hmm. who gets like a you know obviously for very good reason gets a lot of terrible has a terrible reputation but also was supremely Um, Progressive on things like healthcare And stuff that like conservatives Mm -hmm. now Would be like oh he's a rhino He's a republican in name only like It's a whole different spectrum Of conservatism And being a quote unquote Republican or whatever it's He existed in a different era Of that where you cannot even compare them Anymore so I think People when he does die and they reflect on all This stuff they're going to be like well I guarantee I guarantee you Mm-hmm. there will be people on the right that are going to be like, well, he was really just a liberal, you know, liberal Hollywood elite. Uh-huh. And it's like,
0: you're, yep, I you're, mean, get
1: you're right. It's like, I mean, he actually kind of was, but not in mm. the way you're thinking. You know what I mean? It's just, it's, yeah, he's a compelling character, you know, both in his private life, acting life and directing life. And I think that's why we just to wrap it up. That's why we, decided to mm-hmm. do two
0: episodes on the guy for God's sake. That's right. So any
1: final thoughts on uh Clint Eastwood?
0: No, I'm with you. Um happy he's here. I'll be ha- uh I'll be I will remember him finally when he's I done you were um, to and say I'm happy. something
1: else. I was like, whoa, you'll yeah, be happy no. when he's gone. Whoa.
0: No, 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 no. no, no. Uh <laughs> no, I he, he will long be celebrated as he should be. And I hope I hope more people come around to it. Um someday he will be his own time capsule. Um, for sure, sure. but um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. The, the whole reason why we get to have time castles is because they're worth opening up, so I think people will find things worth opening up. So
1: Absolutely, absolutely. All right, well, uh, I want everyone out there to follow us on Twitter at Cinephile Fit, on Facebook at Cinephile Hissy Fit Podcast, and on Instagram at Cinephile Fits. Find both me and Don by name on Letterboxd to check out our film reviews and ratings. We are also on Rotten Tomatoes, and we are charter members of the Independent Film Critics of America. Thank you so much for your loyal listenership in our tussles and for connecting with us on social media. Cinephile Hissy Fit is a Ruminations Radio Network podcast sponsored by Film Obsessive and 25YL Media. If you enjoyed this show, the Ruminations Radio Network has more excellent programming with stellar hosts and spirited topics. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our show and others on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere you find your favorite podcast.